Good morning. I am uh, getting over the cold that's kind of been going around, so I apologize in advance for any of the uh, gross mouth and nose noises that you may be hearing with this microphone. Okay, that's good. Okay, um, <clears throat> it's been a little bit of a uh, sobering week uh, for me, uh, just realizing how far behind I am in life. Uh, <clears throat> I am officially now the only unpublished staff member of Irving Church. Uh, <laughs> Luke's book uh, was just published this week, uh, and uh, super happy for him. Um, I am intending to read it. Uh, I, he doesn't recommend that anybody reads it, uh, so I want to be the one to do it. <laughs> so maybe that can be my claim to fame. Uh, not that I wrote a book, but that I read Luke's book. Uh, so, um, all right. Uh, so we're in First John again this week. Um, and we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 3, if you want to get there. Um, this is going to be a good sermon, because this is some really good material. Uh, this is just some really good verses. Uh, and as Charles said, I think even I can not mess this one up. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I don't think you're going to live that one down. I think that one's going to stick, Charles. Um <clears throat> But just in case, uh, let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, my heart's full this morning, um, just being with uh, this family that you've uh, blessed me with, uh, that you've blessed us with. I'm just grateful. Jesus, thank you for this church. Thank you for the ways that you've moved here. I just want to take just a moment to acknowledge that you've done so much um, here in this church, by the power of your spirit, um, through the direction of your word, um, and the love that's moving among these people that you have touched. I pray that through this sermon, Jesus, uh, through just this word um, of yours, that hearts would be encouraged today. Um, yeah, we just pray that truth and light uh, would be really prevalent in this room this morning as you speak, Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> okay, <clears throat> uh, a few weeks ago, um, two weeks ago, Terry gave our introductory uh, sermon to the book of First John, and um, um, he talked to us a little bit about kind of the reason that John is writing uh, this letter to uh, the church that he's writing it to. And he talked a little bit about how uh, there were some uh, outside groups that were putting pressure on the church um, theologically, uh, and they were uh, making these claims uh, about Jesus. They are making these claims that they had this special knowledge about Jesus. And specifically, um, we don't know exactly what the teaching was. We don't know exactly what heretical groups it was. It doesn't, he doesn't say specifically. We can guess. But most of the group, there were a lot of groups around this time that were making claims about Jesus that, um, you know, he didn't actually, he wasn't actually born of a virgin. He didn't actually die on the cross. He didn't uh, actually do any of these miracles. Jesus was a man, and Christ was like this God figure that came down and kind of was like a ghost and did these things through Jesus and he like disappeared before he 
was crucified on the cross. Just weird things like this. And so uh, that's why John says things like, hey, if anybody says that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, uh, they're not of God. Um, and so th- this is the special knowledge that these people were claiming to have. Um, and going through Bible college and like hearing this before and studying the book of 1 John and stuff and knowing that that's the background and like kind of knowing what it's, that's like what it's really about. Um, that was almost like kind of a bubble buster for me the first time I heard it uh, because I'm like, I don't, I can't really relate to that. <laughs> um, I don't really, like we don't have people coming into the church and saying like, hey, Jesus didn't actually uh, get born of a virgin or Jesus didn't actually, you know, get crucified. It was a ghost. Uh, if that was happening, we'd be like, no, like First John, very important. Uh, you need to read this book. Um, and it would be just kind of much more relevant. But um, <clears throat> this, this actually became a little bit more relevant to me uh, recently, uh, just in the past few months. Uh, we had a friend a few years ago who came to Christ um, and one of my friends had, had led him to Jesus and told him about Jesus. And this friend came out of the world. He didn't know anything about God. He, he wasn't raised in church. And he lived a really, really bad, immoral lifestyle before he became a Christian. And um, we just kind of took him in, and he came into our Bible study, and we taught him about Jesus. We uh, had meals with him and, and uh, did studies with him one-on-one. Um, he was homeless for a while. Uh, and so, like, some of us took him in. He lived with probably, like, three of us uh, at different times at, um, and for different periods of time, and so we did a lot for this guy, and over the years, we became really one of our best friends for me and many of my friends, um, but a few, about a year ago, uh, he got involved with um, some other group of Christians, and um, it's just a different group of Christians. They have some different beliefs, but nothing like heretical or nothing like blatantly wrong or obviously wrong in the Bible, like Jesus didn't come in the flesh. They weren't saying anything like that, but um, after he spent a few months with them going to their Bible studies and things like that, he approached me one day and he said, hey, um, I found this group of real Christians and I'm going to go, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be coming to the Bible study anymore because I'm going to go um, be a part of their church with the real Christians. And man, that cut deep because I spent hours, many hours on the weekends staying up late with this guy, talking him down off the ledge whenever he needed somebody to talk to. Like I said, many of us opened up our homes to him, invested hours and hours and hours into this guy. Um, And so it hurt personally, but I think, I don't know if any of y'all can relate with this, but I think even people with really strong faith, um, whenever somebody comes along who's close to you and you know them well, uh, and they say that, hey, I found the real thing, or hey, like, the Christianity that you have is not, like, the real thing, uh, and we do have the real thing, um, I think that usually causes almost any of us to pause, even at least for a moment, and stops and makes you ask, do I have the real thing? What if he's right? What if that person over there saying that they've got the real thing or saying they've got the real Christianity or saying that they've got the truth and I've got like just like a shadow of it, uh, what if they're right? And so that bothered me for a little while, um, at least for even a moment. Uh, it didn't shake me too bad, but I think that most of us can relate with this because most of us probably have somebody like that in your life <laughs> uh, who has said something similar to that. Uh, even if it's not somebody that you know, there are groups around us all the time. They come knocking on your door. And they'll say, hey, uh, yeah, you know, you've heard about Jesus, but let me tell you, you know, 
the real thing about Jesus, right? And Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, and stuff like that. But if anything, even if it's not somebody that you know who's telling you, hey, you don't have a real thing, you probably have a devil that sometimes comes and tells you, hey, you don't have the real thing. Or maybe you're not really walking in the real thing, right? Can anybody relate to this at all? Okay. Uh, good, because that's what the sermon's going to be about. And if you can't relate to that at all, then you probably won't, uh, won't get anything out of it. Um, thankfully, uh, John... In this passage that we're looking at today, he's going to provide tests to know whether or not you actually are walking in the truth, whether, whether or not you actually have the real thing. He's going to say, hey, this is how you can know. He said, you can actually know if you're walking in the real thing, and you can know if these people who are telling you you don't have the real thing, see if, you can see if they have the real thing by applying a couple of these tests. And I think this is so incredibly helpful. Um, and so, uh, I guess let's start um, looking at that. Look at chapter 2, verse 3 is where it starts. I'm going to read it. <clears throat> it says, And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this, may we know, by this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Here's the first test to know whether or not you have the real thing. Is you keep his commands. You keep his commands. Here's the refreshing thing about John, okay? Uh, a lot of times we're reading Paul, and Paul is pretty confusing, okay? Even like the Apostle Peter in his letter says, you know, sometimes Paul writes things that are confusing. So Paul wrote things that were confusing even to the other apostles, okay? Uh, but here's the nice thing about John is that he's really simple a lot of times. He usually says things uh, that are just really black and white, uh, but sometimes that can also be kind of frustrating. Um, but Here's what he says. He's like, don't complicate this. He said, if somebody comes up to John and they say, hey, am I following, am I following Jesus? And he says, uh, are you doing what he says? <laughs> don't, don't like theologically complicate this thing. If you want to know if you're walking with Jesus, are you doing what he said to do? That's a really good place to start, is what John says. I really, I really like what Luke said about this last week. I think it just um, is super helpful. Uh, it was like a breath of fresh air to me. Um, we, when he's talking about walking in darkness, um, we're not talking here about, he says, you know you're in the real deal if you keep the commandments. I know, and some of us are going to be like, oh man, I know I've messed up at least a few of them. That's not what we're talking about. What, Paul, what uh, Luke was talking to us about last week is he said, you know, about walking in darkness, it's not the same thing as I sinned, Okay. John already covered what happens when we sin. He said, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He said, if we confess our sins, then he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. And so we're not talking about, oh, I messed up. Oh, I, I sinned again. Uh, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, are you really just trying, are you, are you really honestly trying to follow Jesus and do what he said? Not are you perfect, not do you do it right every day, but is the orientation of your heart's desire to want to follow Jesus, 
You know, a lot of times we can, like, cover it up theologically whenever we're walking in disobedience, uh, and we can say, like, well, I don't think that applies to us today. Or, you know, uh, you know or grace does this in some kind of way where I don't have to, Jesus forgives me, whatever. Um, but I don't know if you've ever been around a, a t- this, if this has ever happened to you, but I've been around a couple of people in my life. Uh, just I've only had a couple of conversations where somebody has been blatant enough to tell me just the honest truth about something like this. There was a guy, I have, I have good Christian friends, okay? I'm using a lot of uh, examples of uh, some bad experiences I've had with my friends, but um, in college, we had uh, a roommate in Bible college who would get drunk every night. He was a full-blown alcoholic, and uh, we loved him, though, and we didn't want to go just, like, report him. We wanted to, like, see if we could help him, um, and so we were out at a camp out one time, and we kind of approached him about it, and we said, hey, man, like, you can't be getting drunk. Like, the Bible says you, like, Christians don't do that. Don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, he, he kind of dodged it a little bit. He's like, well, I don't know if that's what that means. I don't know. I didn't know about that. And, but finally, you know, we just sat down and showed him all these scriptures, like multiple places where it says do not get drunk and all this, and clearly wrong in the Bible. And finally, he just said, well, I don't believe that. And that made my skin kind of crawl in, in this really disturbing way. Because I'd never really heard it that blatant before. I've been around Christians who kind of knew how to sauce it up a little bit, you know. And be like, oh, you know, and nuance it. Or like, oh, you know, well, I'm trying. He's just blatantly like, no, it's not, that's not for me. That is what we're talking about here. If you have found a place, if there's been something where you said, you know what, I know what God says about that, but that's not for me. Or you say, you know what, like I tried to stop that, but it was hard. And so um, I'm just going to kind of keep doing it. That, that's a time that we should pause. That's a time that we should say, maybe we're not walking obedient, in an obedience to the commands. And so this is the first test is, are you, but, okay, so if that's not you, though, and you are saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus. Yes, I struggle. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm not doing as good as I want to be doing. But I really do want to follow Jesus, and I'm trying. John says you passed the test. You've passed the test. This first test of walking with Jesus. You're walking in the light. Okay. However, it is not the only test. <clears throat> and the second one may be even more important and revealing than the first if you go to verse 7 of chapter 2, he says, Beloved, I'm, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you. All right. I don't know about y'all, but this is a little confusing. (laughs) I'm not writing to you a new commandment, or am I? (laughs) Uh, So, um, and I just said that John was simple. I don't know what that means. Uh, Luke tried to explain it to me, but I got lost uh, pretty early on, but I try, I like to let Luke think that I'm smart, and so I just kind of so if you actually want to know what that means, you can go and talk to Luke. Uh, I'm pretty sure he had a good explanation of that. But the point is, 
Here is the, here is the old new commandment, okay? In verse 9. He says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Here's the second test of whether or not you are really walking with Jesus, if you really know Jesus. Love. Do you love? Do you love your brothers? Do you love your sisters? Do you love people? Again, not talking about perfection here. Not talking about, like, have you ever been mean to somebody? But we're talking about, again, a general orientation of your heart. Has your heart been touched by the love of Christ in such a way that the way that you see people is with love? I, this is one of like the, the biggest things that I noticed whenever, like, I don't know if, here's something about me, something that you may not believe. Whenever I was in middle school, well, you'll believe this part, I was smaller than I am now. <laughs> um, if you can imagine it. Uh, but I was a bully in middle school. Because I wanted to be cool. Uh, I don't know why these kids let me pick on them because they were bigger and stronger than me. Um, but I was a bully and I was mean to kids. And I, like, I even made a kid cry one time. Um, and it was because I was trying to be cool. And I didn't care what it did to other people. Like I just wanted to be cool because I was insecure because I was really little. Um, but whenever I, became, whenever I came to Christ in high school... Um, and this isn't even something that I remember actively thinking about trying to do, but my heart changed. And I saw those people, and my heart was filled with compassion for the outcast kids, for the ones who sat by themselves at lunch, for the ones who used to be easy prey for me. Those were the ones that, like, my heart just went out to. And nobody, I don't really recall anybody, like, really teaching me this or really telling me to do this. It's just, like, my heart just changed towards them. I'm not saying that I was a perfect, perfectly loving person. I was actually kind of a pharisaical mean uh, kid most of the time just beating people over the head with the Bible but uh, for the most part that there was like this general there was this change in my heart to where before I was about myself and now like I'm not saying I'm not selfish anymore but there was just this love that entered my heart that wasn't there before and this is what we're talking about has the love of Jesus entered your heart in a way that has gone apart from you and towards other people do you feel the love of Christ, the affection of Christ for people? Do you feel his mercy and his gentleness towards people? What does that look like? What does the love of Christ look like practically? Um, go ask Miss Tanya. I know she's going to love me talking about her right now. But I almost don't even have to say, I don't even have to give any examples, right? Like most of us just know, like you're just nodding your head. I could just move on right now. Because you, those of you who know Tanya know that she is a person who embodies the love of Christ. This is in the way that she, you can tell in the way she cares about you, by the way she listens to you. Uh, one time I went to uh, her house uh, for Impact Weekend. I walked into my bedroom and there was this bag of uh, uh, Reese's eggs which if you know anything at all, you know are so much better than regular Reese's. Uh, 
And I was like, I walked up to her, I was like, how did you know that? Like, how did you know I love that? And she's like, well, you said that. And I'm like, I don't even remember telling you that. But she remembered that because she, was, she listens to me when I talk. And I talk a lot, so that's a big commitment. Uh, but she does, like, you guys probably have known this and experienced this with time. It's like she's listening to you when you talk because she cares about you because the love of Christ is in her, right? And, like, she gives her time to people. I'm sorry, Miss Tanya, I'm almost done. Uh, <laughs> I was almost even kind of hoping that you weren't here for this Sunday because I know you'd hate this so much, but it has to be done. Uh, the time that she pours into people, it's crazy. I'll come to church on Sunday, and I'll be, like, talking to random people. I'll ask one person, like, hey, what would you do this weekend? Oh, well, I hung out with Miss Tanya, and she helped me do this. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I move on to the next person. I'm like, hey, what did you do this weekend? They're like, oh, well, Miss Tanya took me to work. And I'm like, is there another Miss Tanya? Like, is she is, is – I've never – nobody's ever seen them in the same room at the same time. Uh, but there may be another one. Just she's constantly giving her time to people, pouring out herself to other people. This is the love of Christ. Um, I feel like after the anger class is over, I'd like Miss Tanya to do a love class. I'm going to just advocate for that. Do you love people? This is the test. And I'm so, this is so important. that this, So the first test was, do you keep his commands? Which is so important. But if that's all it is, if it's all it is, is do you keep the rules? But there's no attention given to love. If there's no attention given to mercy and no attention given to grace and kindness, you end up with just cold, dead religion. You can make sure that everybody tries to keep the rules. You can try to make sure we got these rules, everybody keeps them. And as long as you just don't mess up and as long as you do these right practices, then we're all good. You're not all good. John says, if there's not love, you don't have the real thing. So if you find that there's a person telling you that they have the real thing, or there's a movement, or there's a church, or there's a religion telling you that they have the real thing, and they have their rules, and they have their revelation, but they don't have love, don't let them bother you. Because they don't have the real thing. But where you have obedience... And a changed heart, love, John says, that's the real thing. You found the real thing. And let me just also say that it also goes the other way. You can't get rid of the first command either. You can't get rid of the first test. You know, because some people, the big temptation more <laughs> in our culture is throw out the commands and keep the love. Well, let's all just love each other. Right? It doesn't. You know, the book's not that important, but it's just like, Jesus wants us to love. But if you throw out his commands, John says, you do not know him. If you're not walking like him, you don't know him. So that's it. Those are the two commands. There's actually another test that comes later on. Somebody else will preach that one. That's talking about right belief. You know, you can't just believe whatever you want about Jesus. But for today, those are our two tests. Do you keep his commands, and do you love people? And John says, if that's, and I don't, like, I don't want you to over-examine it. Don't, 
Don't look too hard at this. This is not a trick question. Like, again, we're speaking not in perfection, but generalities. Like, have you been touched by the love of Jesus to where love has come into your heart and you want to follow him? If yes, this is what John said to the church, and this is what John says to you, okay? In verse 12, he says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. That's good. That's the part I can't mess up. I'm going to read it one more time. He said, I'm writing to you because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Because you have known him who is from the beginning. Because you have overcome the evil one. Because you are strong. Because the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Still no amens. Okay. The problem is I think that maybe we don't totally believe all that. Uh, Okay, spoiler alert. I'm going to reach into somebody else's sermon, so whoever is preaching on this later, forgive me. But John writes at the end of the book, in uh, chapter 5, verse 13, he tells, it's really nice whenever they just come out and are really uh, straightforward with why they're writing the book, okay? It makes the test in Bible college easier. Uh, He says in verse 13, listen to this, 513, I write these things to you who believe in in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I am writing this book to you so that you know you have eternal life. Do you know that God wants you to know that you're saved? That's a big deal. That is such a big deal because that is only, you only get that in the real deal. You only get that in real Christianity. Okay, this is such a big deal. Because religion, this is what religion does with all the rules and all the things that they tell you to do and all the things they tell you not to do. They dangle salvation Religion dangles salvation over your head and says, if you do all of these things, then I'll give you this. And that is how religion controls people. Religion controls through fear. If you don't do this, then you can't have this. If you do this, then you can have this. And religion is all about fear and control. But love, love gives before you do anything so that relationship would be established. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus didn't say, get your life together, and then you can have this. Or do your best to do all this stuff the rest of your life, and then one day maybe we'll find out if you did good enough, you can have this. He says, here, it's yours. Now, do you want me? 
I'm going to give you this so you don't have to worry about whether or not you have it. You don't have to try really hard to get it. You can just have it, and you and me can just have a relationship. That's what, we do this with our kids. We don't say, hey, if you're good, then uh, daddy loves you. No, we want them to know that we love them no matter what so that there can be relationship and they feel safe. And that we hope that obedience comes out of that place, that obedience comes out of love. And so this is why John says, I want you to know that you're saved. He's not saying, okay, here's the test. Uh, Keep the commands and love people. Do it as best you can for your entire life, and then one day we'll see whether or not you did it enough. He's saying, have you just had a real encounter with Jesus? Because if you had, if you've really had a real encounter with Jesus, you're just going to want him. You're going to want to do what he says, and you're going to have a heart that's been transformed by love. He's not telling you, here's how you do it. (laughs) He said, this is what's been done, and here's how you know if it's been done or not. God wants you to know that you're saved. And John, he gives these tests of, hey, are you walking in his commandments, or are you walking in love? And And basically, just from there, he's like, okay, if you are, this is what God has to say to you. Your sins are forgiven. It's a done deal. He says, you know him. If if these things are true about you, you know him. You know the Father. You don't have to worry about whether or not you know God. You do. Because that's the evidence. And here's a big one. He says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong. I'm going to, we're switching gears here just a little bit. When's the last time you heard in church that you are strong? I have to apologize on behalf of the church, the Big C Church, not our church, but as a general rule, the church does not tend to hit on this much. We like to tell you that you are weak so that, you make, so that we can make sure that you know that you need Jesus and you need to keep coming back to our church. And in a sense, this is true. We are weak. We all come to Jesus totally broken, not bringing anything to the cross, hopeless to save ourselves, and we just need Jesus. We have nothing without him. And even after that, like, we have a daily dependence on Jesus. Like, you can't, like, we can't do it without him. You are weak, and you do need Jesus every day. And that's why Jesus said, abide in me. He said, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. And if you don't, you can do nothing. We are weak. We do need Jesus. But here's the thing. If you hear what John is saying... You have Jesus. So it's not super helpful to dwell too much on what happens if you don't have Jesus. You are strong. One of my first things that I like to take people through if I'm ever working one-on-one with somebody who's either just a new Christian or um, somebody who's struggling with sin especially, is you go to Romans 5 and you look at what has happened now that we've been reconciled to God and brought into a relationship with God. All of the past tense phrases that Paul uses to describe our previous state before Jesus. He says, before Jesus, it says, when we were enemies of God. He says, back when we were sinners, Christ died for us. And he said, whenever we were weak, Implying that all this stuff was previous things. But now, 
And if that wasn't enough, it just says it right here. And, for, and John says it straight up. He says, you are strong. The Spirit of God dwells in you. The living God dwells in you. And we're, we, value, we value humility here. Um, we started valuing humility here once Luke came to be uh, a pastor at our church. I'm just kidding. Um, everybody says he's humble all the time. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, everybody says that. Um, and people who are weird say he's humble. Uh, I don't know how they got that from the spelling. But we're humble. Like, we, or we value humility. And so we're hesitant to say, to go around talking about how strong each one of us is. But this is something that you have to know. If you really do believe all the time that you're weak, uh, and that you're just a sinner, and that this is all, if, if you want to say that we're sinners in that we are people who sin, that is true, but the Apostle Paul never calls a single Christian a sinner. Did you know that? One person called, <laughs> James calls his church, whoever he was writing to, uh, sinners uh, one time. Uh, he also calls them adulterers and some other, like, mean things. But, and Paul was writing to people who were having sexual relations with their, with their in-laws and getting drunk on communion. But he never calls them sinners, but he does call them saints. I think this is intentional and in that Paul, needs, Paul knows that if we are going to live like saints, we actually have to believe that we are them. And if we are actually going to be strong, you have to believe that we actually are. I was kind of blown away yesterday. I'm almost done. Uh, I was just reading yesterday um, in the book of Joshua. Uh, you get Caleb. They've come into the promised land. And Caleb walks up, and he's 85 years old. Caleb's one of the spies that went out with Joshua. There were 12 spies that went out to spy the land. Joshua and Caleb came back, and they said, we can do it. And God can do it. And the rest of them were like, we can't do it. And uh, it ended really badly. So they had to wander for 40 years. But now they've gone into the promised land, and Caleb walks up to Joshua, and he's like, give me my land. Um, and uh, he said, Moses promised me this land. And he said, uh, I know that there are still giants that live there. And uh, I know that they have fortified cities. They got big walls. But he's like, I'm still as strong as the day that uh, we went into the promised land 40 years ago. <laughs> and he said, and I'm going to go take that land. And I'm like, this guy is... At first, but first thing, I'm like visualizing him as one of those really weird looking dudes who's like super old but muscular at the gym. Have you guys ever seen one of those guys? Oh my gosh. Uh, they like can't really even walk anymore, but they got big biceps. Uh, so, so I got that image in my mind. But I'm like, this guy is so arrogant. We would call that guy proud, full of pride if he walked into one of our churches today. But you know what God called it? God said that he, he called him loyal. He said, you know, it wasn't really, maybe his body wasn't the only thing that was as strong as it was 40 years prior. His faith was as strong as it was 40 years prior. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, has come to make a real difference in our life and to make us strong. The Bible it says, here that you have overcome the evil one. Wow. You have overcome the evil one. He says later on that that's by your faith. 
We should value strength, but just strength that's coming from the right place, from Jesus. Okay? You are strong. Um, I don't know where you're at this morning. I'm hoping and I'm trusting that this is an encouraging message to most of you in this room because I know most of you and I know that uh, so many of you do keep the commands of Jesus and so many of you have had your hearts changed by his love. Um, But if that is not you and you're in your seat this morning and you're saying, I I really don't, can't say if I really do, um, I'm really following Jesus. I can't really say that I am really trying to keep his commands. I can't really say that my heart has been changed by love. Um, If that's you, uh, there's an open invitation for that this morning. And anyone here in this room who does have that assurance, um, they got it freely. They didn't do anything to get it. Uh, They just freely received it from Jesus. And this morning, you can freely receive it from Jesus. Before you fix yourself, before you do keep any of the rules or do anything right, uh, Jesus has forgiveness for you here today. Um, If that is you, and uh, you're encouraged this morning, um, and you know that you really do try to keep the commands, and you have been touched by the love of Christ, um, would you stand, please? Or if you feel like that's not you, but you don't want to feel awkward or pointed out, you can just stand and you just pretend in your heart. Um, Olivia doesn't like it when people force her to stand, so uh, Olivia, you don't have to stand. But I just want to read this to you one more time as a blessing, um, and uh, I hope that you'll receive it and believe it. Your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And if you would all amen at the end, like Paul, that would be great after each one of these. Let's try it again. Because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Because you know him who is from the beginning. Because you have overcome the evil one. You know the Father. You are strong. And the word of God abides in you.